Okay, there we go. We on? Good morning, everybody. Well, I was sitting there looking around and going, wow, the sanctuary is really full. And then they all left. They all left. Uh, and how cool is that to have so many children in our congregation? Um, whoever's leading the Christmas program would probably prefer 8 or 10 rather than 30. But, ah, that is so neat to see all those kids. But the sanctuary is still pretty full. And it's obvious that you all got the message that Heather was cooking today. And you didn't get the message that I was preaching. So way to go, Heather. Shore up the crowd. So, okay, so for our post-Thanksgiving message, we're going to talk about pirates, right? Ah, good, good deal. So, I was going to ask for that. Thanks for throwing that out there. Um, so, you all can recognize that this is, a, this is a pirate ship. I was going to say pirate boat, but uh, Johnny Depp would get very angry if I called it a boat. So, what is this? This is a ship. It is the ship from the Pirates of the Caribbean. This is the notorious Black Pearl. Captain Jack Sparrow spoke poetically about this ship in the movie. Here's what he had to say about the Pearl. Wherever we want to go, we go. That's what a ship is, you know. It's not just a keel and a hull and sails. That's what a ship is made of, not what a ship is. What the Black Pearl really is, is freedom. I'm going to move this down a bit. There, maybe that would be a little better. The Pearl is freedom. So next, uh, I have a picture of a cute little beagle puppy. This is a picture of one of my favorite dogs. His name was Indy, and uh, he grew up. He was a wonderful dog, and he's gone now, and, and I miss him a lot. He was an honorary little dog. Um, there were times when I'd walk out the door and the doghouse is across the drive and I'd call Indy and I'd say, Indy, come on over here. And he'd just look at me as if to say, no, you, you come over here. Um, but I love that dog. Um, he had a lot of character. <clears throat> so a dog is two things. On one hand, a dog is, say, 40 pounds of flesh and bone and fur. And on the other hand, a dog is a creature that loves you when you give him attention. And unless it's my dog, he loves you even when you don't. Now, next is a picture of my mother-in-law, Dolores Geiger. She spent uh, most of the Thanksgiving holiday with us, with Barb and I and, and several other family members. And it's, it's always good to have her at our house. I really enjoy when she's able to come up. And when you look at this picture... You're probably thinking grandkids. Uh, and while she does have 14 of them, um, they're all about my size now. These are great-grandchildren. And uh, she's got a handful more after this picture was taken. Um, so when you look at this picture, I'm thinking that you're not really focusing on the shirt that she's wearing or um, how her hair is done or the frames on her glasses. You're thinking she looks really happy and she's a grandma. And you're uh, probably thinking, how often do these kids get brownies or cookies from grandma? And and what all it is to be a grandmother. You're not thinking about the person and what she physically is. You're thinking about what she does. Well, those are the two sides of the of the equation that I've made here with the ship and the 
and my little dog and, and my mother-in-law. You have the physical side of a living thing, and that's what it's made of, if you will. And then there's the caring or the emotional side. It's the side that you can't see, but you can only experience. And most living things can be described in these two ways, but you can't have one without the other. Um, A grandma cannot be caring if she doesn't exist, and she wouldn't be a grandma if she wasn't all about making cookies and and brownies. So, um, Johnny Depp would not call this a sail on a ship. This is a part of the ship. Um, This is not my dog, Indy. It has flesh and fur, but it has no heart, no being. So uh, that's not Indy. Um, And I don't know, Sam, did you know I'm going to be a grandparent? Um, I'm going to be a grandpa. And this is what it takes to be a grandpa is a physical body. But I hope that uh, when I'm a grandpa sometime around uh, noon on the 8th of February... um, that I will be much more than just a person. I hope to be a really good grandparent. So hold on to the thought that there are two sides to a given thing. And we're going to look at uh, verse from James, uh, verses from Luke and James this morning. And first from James, <clears throat> James writes in chapter 2, verse 14. He says, My brothers, if someone says he has faith but does nothing... His faith is worth nothing. Can that faith save him? Yeah, I'm going to spend a little time on the faith and deeds thing here. But it's in the same vein. You see, just as the the ship and the dog and the grandmother, you have to have both. And faith without deeds, according to James, is nothing. So then Luke also writes in uh, chapter 6, verse 44... Luke talks about a tree. Think about Halloween that just passed. Think of a tree, and you come up probably with a big oak tree with lots of branches. And yes, that's a tree, but but that is just the tree, the physical tree. Luke talks about bearing fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Again, the example is that there are two sides, and a tree is known by its fruit. So, he also goes on to say that each tree not only is known by its fruit, the good person produces good out of the goodness of his heart. So, here I am in my preaching clothes. Okay. Now what am I? Thank you. Thank you. We had a good discussion about this last night. So I'm supposed to, I look like a farmer now. I hope I do anyway. But I am a farmer. That's what I am. Barb and I live in the same house west of Buckley, uh, where I've lived nearly all my life. My parents grew corn and beans and hay and cows and three kids on a small farm in rural Buckley. Now, I remember when I was a lot younger, sitting at the kitchen table, eating pancakes that I love so well, and listening to WGN Radio out of Chicago. Now, in those days, WGN was the only radio station that made its way into our house. And one of the guys I remember really well was Paul Harvey. I don't know if any of you remember Paul Harvey. 
but uh, he uh, always ended his show. He say, "This is Paul Harvey. Good day." Um, anyway, he was well known for his commentaries, and uh, he would always have something insightful to say. Paul could uh, had a way of taking a news item, and by inserting common sense, he could make the world seem a little less complicated. And in 1978, Mr. Paul Harvey, Will, Paul Harvey addressed the 51st Annual Convention of the Future Farmers of America. Now, I, I wasn't there for that one. I got there two years late. I was there in 1980. But uh, what Paul Harvey spoke there has always struck a, code in, a chord in me. Now, remember, I'm a farmer, and I'm proud to be a farmer. That's what I am. And Paul's poem about God's needing someone to take care of his creation has always struck a chord in me. Now, certainly farmers don't have a corner on taking care of God's creation. But I'd like you to hear this piece by Paul Harvey. It's very special to me. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. I need somebody with arms strong enough to wrestle a calf and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to call hogs, tame cantankerous machinery, come home hungry, have to wait lunch until his wife's done feeding visiting ladies, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon and mean it. So God made a farmer. God said I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay wire, feed sacks, and shoe scraps, who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then pain in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God had to have somebody willing to ride the ruts at double speed to get the hay in ahead of the rain clouds and yet stop in midfield and race to help when he sees the first smoke from a neighbor's place. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners, somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake and disc and plow and plant and tie the fleece and strain the milk and replenish the self-feeder and finish a hard week's work with a five-mile drive to church. Somebody who'd bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing, who would laugh and then sigh and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. So what does what Paul Harvey, Harvey's verse, have to do with the book of James and Luke? Well, what is a farmer? On one hand, he's a fellow like me that grows things. 
And in this part of the Midwest, that would be corn, beans, cattle, and hogs. On the other hand, the guy, a farmer is like the guy in the verse that's shown to care about his surroundings in a deeper way. He puts his heart and emotion into his farm, his neighbors, and community. Now, I grow corn, and I like growing corn. It provides an income for us. But I love corn. I love being out there in the cornfield. I love taking care of it. We plant a little filter strip along our creeks, and we take care of that. And there's pheasants and rabbits and and uh, deer and all kinds of wildlife in it. It's not just about the money. It's it's what what I am. Now, this is not a farmer. Well, she might be. This is a Christian. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has professed a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't yet surrendered yourself to Christ, you will not spend eternity in heaven. Accepting God's free gift of salvation is the most important decision you'll ever make. Now, is that what salvation is all about? Is avoiding hell? No. No. Accepting God, God's free gift of salvation gets you to heaven, but it also asks you, and in a way obliges you, to bear fruit. So this Christian in the picture has her arms raised to her creator, praising God for salvation. But this Christian also goes out and does. As James says, faith in Christ is what a Christian confesses, but also, very important, is what he does. So also by faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you my faith by my works. And again, be doers of the word not hearers only. So I love Christmas. And um, I love Christmas music. I love the classic Christmas movies. And uh, among my favorite is the Charlie Brown Christmas. And my favorite part of that is when Linus takes the stage and he says, Charlie Brown, this is what Christmas is all about. And we can believe in Christ... But if we're not there being doers, helpers, doing all the kind things that Christians do, we're missing what Christianity is all about. So, Heather, I'm about to wrap it up here. Giving you a heads up out there. She said she wanted a a warning before the big finish. So here's my version of Paul Harvey's poem, about the farmer goes like this and on the eighth day God looked down on his planned paradise and said I need a caretaker so God made a Christian God made a doer God said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn make breakfast for the kids work all day at a job run some errands eat supper 
and then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a Christian. I need somebody with arms strong enough to repair the neighbor's flat tire, yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. I need someone to tame a cantankerous child, get home late, find the fridge empty because her husband and his friends cleaned it out while watching Monday Night Football, then tell the guys to be sure and come back real soon and mean it. So God made a Christian. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a sick puppy and watch it die and then dry his eyes and say, maybe next time. I need someone who can shape a walking stick from an oak limb, suck up gallons of water from the church basement, who can make a science fair project out of popsicle sticks, a coat hanger, and carpet tracks. Who during volleyball season or school plays will finish her 40-hour week by Thursday, then take Friday off to help at the clothing pantry. So God made a Christian. God had to have somebody willing to ride the lawnmower at double speed to get the grass cut ahead of the rain clouds and yet stop and race when he sees smoke coming from the neighbor's house. So God made a Christian. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear the snow off the neighbor's walks. Drag the branches that the wind took down in the city park. Hit gentle enough to take the wandering kittens back to the mom and cat and change a diaper and tend the baby chicks brought home from school. Who will stop his lawnmower for half an hour to get out the ladder and carry the fallen robin back up to its nest. It had to be somebody who'd work hard and straight and not cut corners. Somebody who would weed and feed Organize and cook, teach and build and clean and stock the fridge and pray and finish a hard works week with a five-mile drive to church. Somebody who'd bail a family together with strong, soft bonds of sharing, who would laugh and then sigh and then reply with smiling eyes when his daughter says that she wants to spend her life being what dad is. So God made a Christian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are eternally grateful for your marvelous, wonderful, sacrificial death that made salvation possible for us. We don't know, we cannot fathom the depth of your love. Father, we know that uh, we are certain of our eternity with you. And Lord, today we pray that you would give us strength, give us courage to go out and be your hands and feet, to serve you in a way that people can see and feel, to be kind to those that need kindness, to be generous to those in need, comfort to those who need comfort, Lord. Father, we pray that we can be your hands and feet in a way that would glorify you. Today, Lord, we give you extra thanks for all your provision this Thanksgiving time of year. And we look forward to this sharing this meal in this Christmas season, Lord. Amen.